If you love the History Extra podcast, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thanks for your support, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. On the whole, though, the, I find some of the most fun characters to play are peasant for stupid knight. Yeah, nondescript. Yeah, uh, because you can do what you want with them. You haven't history. got to stick with anything. <laughs> you just go, right, I'm going to play this guy. He, he's, um, he always looks into the sun. Yeah. <laughs> that was Charlotte Hodgman talking to actors Lawrence Ricard and Ben Wilbond on the set of Horrible Histories. Hello and welcome to the History Extra podcast. My name is Rob Attar and I'm the editor of BBC History magazine, which is the UK's best-selling history magazine. You can find it in all good news agents and on subscription. See historyextra.com forward slash subscribe hyphen today for subscription deals. And we also have digital editions available for the iPad, the Kindle, the Kindle Fire and Google Play. For details of our digital formats, including price, content and availability, head to historyextra.com forward slash digital. The award-winning Horrible Histories BBC television series, based on the books by Terry Deary, returns to our screens for its fifth series this month, full of foul facts, ruthless rulers and grisly stories. We sent our section editor, Charlotte Hodgman, to meet the cast and the team behind the show during the filming of the new series, to find out what makes horrible history so popular with adults and children and how they make it so deliciously disgusting. Our horrible history's journey began on a cold November day when filming of the show's fifth series was well underway at Twickenham Studios near London. Walking past a bewigged and slightly grubby-looking medieval peasant, we were met by Greg Jenner, historical consultant and self-proclaimed chief nerd for the multi-award-winning sketch show. So are you the only researcher on the the, show? I'm the uh, historical consultant. Yeah which means that I am the kind of the, the chief nerd. Uh, <laughs> and on the past series, uh, I've had a, a little bit of help from a couple of friends of mine yeah. to help me out with the researching phase where we sort of just look for facts because um, once you've done four years of the show, mm. you start to kind of run out of your obvious ideas and, you know, where do you find the next thing? Because part of the problem is that we're not researching things that we're looking for. We're looking for things that people don't know about. So to do that, you kind of just have to read a lot of books and hope you find something good. So that's how you start. So you're, you're looking for facts, first of yeah, all. Yeah, for four months or so, Yeah. myself and um, a couple of my friends, researchers, um, we just read pretty much every book 
we'd get our hands on. Um, we agree on which eras we're doing first. So yeah. we'll, we'll kind of sit down and go, this year we're doing maybe the Aztecs or the Incas. And we will then just plough through as many books as we can do in this sort of short time frame. And it is pretty short. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing 15 eras um, and you've got four months, and actually it's only like sort of 10 days or something per, yeah. per era. And what are you looking for when you're reading these books? What's the kind of golden thing really as a historian i'm i'm interested in history so i could i just kind of go oh that's interesting but my job on the show is to find the really weird and wacky okay facts of the things that are surprising so it it's got to be a fact that i know if i bring it to my producers they will immediately just sort of go yeah oh my god that's amazing um because it's um our show works on on sort of the truth being funnier than fiction so it's got to be something really 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 funny um but on this series, we've also kind of embraced the sense that we've, we've kind of grown into an educational aid almost um, for yeah. teachers and parents. You know, we, we started the show just trying to be funny and make kids like history. And now we're sort of realising that we can actually help kids learn history. So on this series in particular, uh, we're trying to um, take on some of the more sort of more difficult subjects in history and, and some of the sort of more tricky stuff that mm. kids might learn at school and, and provide a sort of funnier angle on it. So things like the Industrial Revolution, for example. So you, you do try and um, not sort of follow the curriculum, but you kind of do try and tailor it to what children are learning at school. Is that quite important when you're a, looking at A little things? bit. We're not, um, we're not imitating the curriculum or, or particularly following it. In fact, often we'll do things that are completely separate to the curriculum because yeah. the curriculum is covering those things. Uh, we go for the funny stuff. We just go for the funny <laughs> stuff wherever it is. Um, but we also... My ambition sometimes is to sort of try and find something quite hard to do yeah. and then find a funny way of doing it. And we have fantastic writers. Um, and so uh, a couple of years ago, for example, we tried to do every king and queen of England since 1066 to today. And we ended yeah. up doing it as a Cockney rhyming sort of, sort of Chaz and Dave type of song, which... When you think about it, the number of monarchs we've had is really hard to do. Yeah. But when you do it in a kind of really high-paced piano ballad ditty, it's, it works really well. <laughs> so once you've got your facts, what, what happens then? Do you actually write the sketches? or? Uh, so I, uh, I sort of cobble together all the facts and I yeah. um, edit them down into these pitching documents, these big sort of about 20 pages per yeah. subject, per era. So the Romans and the Tudors and Stone Age and so on. And then once a week, the writers come into the room and I basically just talk at them for like three hours. Um, and we brainstorm ideas and they, um, they sort of pitch things in the room and I answer questions and we sort of back and forth. Yeah. Uh, and then they go back to their houses and flats and, and, um, <laughs> and barns and sheds or wherever yeah. they work. And they sort of come up with ideas. They pitch the sketches to the producers and uh, myself and then we decide which ones to go with. Then they write them up, and then once they've written up the sketches, we read them, uh, and then they rewrite them, and then we read them, and they rewrite them. And it's a process that takes several weeks, um, about three or four months, to okay. go from very first ideas to getting sketches which are good to be shot. And why do you think the show is so popular with adults? I mean, do you think history programmes for adults are missing a bit of a trick because it's so f- there's a massive following with children and adults? Um, that's a good question. I think... The, the reason it's popular is initially because it's a comedy show mm. and, and it's a really good comedy show. We've got fantastic talent uh, in the cast, in the writing team and behind the scenes in, in the production team. Uh, we're all huge sort of fans of Blackadder and Monty Python <laughs> and I think that probably shows. We're very much informed by a kind of anarchic sense of gleeful yeah. uh, anti-establishment mockery. Um, it's very satirical, it's very sort of 
scatological. Mm. Um, but it's also quite sophisticated. Quite a lot of our comedy is comedy that works for adults as well as for kids. Yeah. And, and sometimes we'll put we'll sneak jokes in there that only the adults will get. So I think um, adults probably first watched the show because their kids were watching it. And then yeah. they kind of went, oh, this is quite good. Um, and we try to amuse ourselves as well as amusing the kids. And I think that means that we're amusing, hopefully, everyone. everyone. <laughs> My grandma likes the show and she's 90. And how would you tackle sort of more sensitive topics? Do you avoid them? So if you wanted to do something, say, on the Empire, mm. um, how would you go about that? Would you still have that sort of comedy value to it? Yeah, we, um, we have done some sensitive topics and they're difficult. Yeah. They're really difficult. And uh, occasionally we failed. Sometimes we succeeded, and from time to time we sort of nearly get there and don't quite. Mm. We've done the British Empire briefly in a song. Our job is not really to be too polemical. We're not mm. trying to tell kids what um, they should think necessarily, but uh, with our British Empire song, we did so- a song about how many of the things that we think of as British, like curry and sugar and cotton, all these things came yeah. from the empire. So that was a song about the, sort of the breadth of, of the colonial empire and the, the economics of it. Um, we have done a couple of sketches about sort of black slavery. Um, we've done a really fantastic song, I think, um, recently about Rosa Parks. That will be in this series. Yeah. The Holocaust is something we very briefly looked at and just went, actually, no. That's, no. Um, so there, there is a line. There is a line. I think slavery we tried looking at because you can, with slavery you can sort of laugh at the slave owners Mm. and make them figures of fun. Yeah. And um, we've done a couple of characters, like uh, Bill Richmond, who was a, a black slave who became a very famous boxer. And so we've done a couple of positive role models and, and people who escaped from the bonds of slavery and you know, proved that obviously everyone is equal and you yeah. know, white people aren't smarter or more attractive or whatever. But the Holocaust, I think, is that one where you just... Unfortunately, it's, it was the eradication of a race. Yeah. Um, you know, I lost family in, in Auschwitz. Yeah. Um, so it's um, there's just no comedy angle on it at all. No. Um, even if you mock Hitler, which we do, we, we've got a couple of sketches with Hitler being a sort of grumpy, angry, sort of childish guy. But even then, we don't show him much. We no. tend to have him off camera and people being scared of him. That's our way of showing him being. So that's how you'd of, handle something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, he's tyrannical and he's he's kind of sinister. But yeah, we don't want to make him too funny. So. Um, we, we kind of have to sort of tread quite carefully with that. And who has the ultimate say? I mean, has it ever got to the point when you've written something that's already and someone said, no, you can't, can't do that? BBC are incredibly um, trusting. Producer Caroline Norris is um, uh, an incredibly talented and well-respected um, comedy producer, and, and so she knows the line anyway. She, yeah. you know, she can look at the sketch and immediately kind of go, too close to the bone or this isn't fair or whatever and obviously my job as a historian is sometimes to step in and say oh this isn't a representation of um, the truth or mm. or a fair representation I mean, obviously historians struggle with the truth sometimes <laughs> yeah. there's always debate but you have to be able to make sure that the depiction is fair and justifiable uh, and the BBC are very trusting um, obviously there are some things we've done in the past which they, they had initial reservations about we had you know there's the suicide of Cleopatra yeah. we've got sort of guns and knives and poisoning and hanging and executions yeah. and murder and wars a lot of and gore isn't there a lot of <laughs> gore and we have to be quite careful how we handle it yeah. and we take the advice of the BBC they have a special department who handles these things and we, yeah. we listen to them very carefully and we always go with what seems like the best judgement I mean ultimately Caroline says you know would I be proud to defend this on Newsnight Yes, I would, then it's okay. Yeah. 
So accuracy is important when it comes to Hugely. making it. I mean, my job is accuracy. That's, I mean, yeah. what I do is I'm a sort of tyrannical fact pedant. I, <laughs> we are, we, you know, we're that's a, a comedy great title. show. Yeah, that's, unfortunately, they wouldn't give me that as my official title. Yeah. Um, we're a comedy show, so my job is to make people laugh. Mm. But my job is to make sure that the jokes come from things which we can verifiably say um, are historical facts. Now, obviously, a historical fact may not necessarily be true. I mean, obviously, mm. some facts got written down in the past and have come down to us and you look at them and think, well, that, that sounds a bit like sarcasm or satire. You know, mm. some things about Nero or Caligula, you might think, okay, that's probably, you know, the press running amok. And, and, yeah. But as long as they are sort of facts in the sense that, you know, you can find a source for them and they are probably um, well justified and they're conventionally agreed upon by historians, then we, we run with them. And yeah. my job is to make sure that nothing goes into the show that isn't, one of those things, something agreed upon and something conventionally kind of trusted. That's quite a responsibility then. Do you get many people writing in? We get a few. We get yeah. a few. Over the show, I mean, over five years, we've done about um, probably about 1,100 sketches. Uh, so over 1,000 sketches. Um, to my knowledge, we've got eight things wrong. That's so, and, and obviously we do make mistakes yeah. and, um, and we do try and correct mistakes. We made a mistake in our the first series. We have a, a song about um, the Four Georges and we've done them as a boy band. And, and there was a, a mistake in there, which um, uh, we got the wrong order and, uh, of who died on the toilet. Um, <laughs> and so when we got the, um, when we had the honour of doing the prom at the Royal Abbott Hall, yeah. we rewrote the song to make it historically accurate. So we do our best to yeah. correct where we can to get things right and apologise and say, sorry, yeah. things will sneak through. Um, but no, accuracy is my watchword. It's my reputation. And yeah. ultimately, kids are watching this and believe that they're learning and you know are trusting yeah. parents are sort of trusting in us to teach kids yeah. the truth and teachers my mum's a teacher and it's being used in schools so yeah. I, I take my responsibility very seriously so after 1100 sketches you say yeah. what's next for horrible histories where do you go from here there's uh, still things out there you think I don't know I don't know actually it's um it's you know we've done five series and I think we've really we've done a very good job of mm. covering a lot of history we'd love to do I think we'd love to sort of do the Monty Python model and maybe branch into doing feature films. Um, I, we put out a, um, a call out on our Twitter page. Mm. You may have seen it. Um, I did. Asking for questions. So I have a few Twitter questions. Emma gone AWOL on Twitter wants to know what are you most proud of interpreting? What's the kind of the best thing you think you've done? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, that's really hard to say. <laughs> no, I mean, um, my proudest moment in my career was just getting on a tube one day and seeing a five year old boy. I think it was about five, he looks about five, um, singing the Four Georges song to his mother, complete with the German accent, and yeah. sort of saying, I talk to the throne of England. <laughs> and just knowing that a five-year-old knew that George I was a German Protestant, I mean, that's an extraordinary thing. Yes. Um, in terms of the sketch we've done, I think the, the one I'm probably proudest of is not a particularly famous one, or, but it's, uh, it's a Bob report, which is our character, Bob Hale, who's sort mm. of a, a Peter Snow um, pastiche, um, explaining the history of the Renaissance in about three minutes and it's just incredibly detailed it's got so much information in it and it's all about you know the art history and Giotto and Boccaccio and yeah. Petrarch and all these incredible things and it, it tells us sort of 250 years of cultural history and it crams them all in mm. with jokes and I think I watched it the other day and just thought god wow. we're not going to beat that that's really impressive that's, uh, yeah. so I think that's for me that's probably my proudest moment okay Jody on Twitter wants to know where has been your favourite location to film oh um do you get anywhere exotic? Or? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, every year we kind of ask for Barbados or Jamaica <laughs> and we always end up in the M25. Yeah. Um, 
we've had some very lovely locations. Um, uh, there's a great castle near Maidstone called Allingham Castle, I think. Allington Castle. Um, and uh, Hatfield House, I think it was a Tudor house. Um, Hampton Court, I think, mm. as far as I'm aware, I think we were the first ever drama show maybe to film inside the Great Hall. Okay. And we had a... and we had our actor Matt dressed as Charles II doing an M and M pastiche, walking along the sort of banqueting table, doing a sort of pimp walk <laughs> with everyone around him sort of rapping, and it was the most surreal moment to sort of be in, in this room that Henry VIII had dinner in. And I see so much history. And, and then... to see so much history, and then to have mm. our crew doing hip hop um, was pretty That's surreal. surreal. Yes. So maybe Hampton Court, and they're incredibly. I mean, um, historic royal palaces are fantastically supportive of us, and they're they're great. So, yeah. um, big thanks to them. Dana Lahr wants to know, this might be a bit of a trickier one for you, which historical figure do you believe you're most like and why? <laughs> oh dear. Yes. That's a very good question. I think, I think a few people probably think I'm quite similar to um, Charles Babbage, um, who was a, uh, well, I'm blowing my own trumpet, he was a sort of pretty knowledgeable, smart kind of guy, but he was also a bit mad and okay. sort of quite obsessive. Uh, he was obsessed with um, facts and details and statistics, and he used to go around sort of tabulating things like the number of broken windows per capita per, you know, per building. <laughs> um, and he, I think he was, you know, apart from inventing you know, the difference engine and various computing things, mm. he also had a few other weird inventions, like I think a, a cow catcher for trains, and a, I think he tried oh. to invent jet skis or, or sort of water skis, I think. So he's, he was quite a weird, yeah. brilliant slightly odd <laughs> and while I wouldn't say I'm brilliant I think a lot of people think I'm quite odd um, and probably finally Mark Ellens wants to know how long does it take to film one episode of the show well we film all the episodes together mm. um, we don't uh, we edit them together um, once we've got everything shot yeah. we then kind of go right what have we got what's going to work together we, we try and create packages that have a sort of theme and, mm. and obviously because we're a comedy show you sometimes have to put some sort of funnier material in certain places to offset other material that might not have been quite so funny or maybe yeah. it's a bit long or you want something shorter. So um, it takes a year to make the series. Uh, it takes eight weeks to film the 200 sketches. So uh, I suppose a sketch, an individual sketch, can usually take something like three hours to film. And yeah. sometimes we really push for time and you shoot it in half an hour. Yeah. Um, we have a sketch not this... Long. No, we have a sketch this year which is pretty epic, um, is a Top Gear pastiche. And we've shot that in like 10 different parts because it's set all over the country. So mm. we had to shoot that over and over and over. And we yeah. have a song this year that, about the history of the world, which we've shot sort of 30 times perhaps, you know, with yeah. different characters. So some sketches take forever and some sketches you do in 20 minutes. There is a lot, there we have a lot of questions about the songs actually. They mm. seem to be a very popular part of the show. Yeah. Who writes the songs and, and where, do they, where do they come from? We have, um, we have a brilliant lyricist, um, okay. Dave Cohen, and we have an uh, equally brilliant composer, Richie Webb. Um, and um, also a couple of the songs are written by other people. I've been very lucky to, I, I've got to, I've co-written two songs. Um, so I wrote the Georgian Navy song and, um, and Stupid Death had a song quite recently for Halloween special and I got to write, co-write that. Um, but Dave is our main writer and he's just an incredibly brilliant man who can do things like rhyme Plantagenet with Can You Imagine It? Um, which I think is one of the greatest rhymes in history. Uh, and so what we do is we effectively say, uh, what do we want to tell a song about? What do, we, mm -hmm. what do we want to do as a story? what would work as a song uh, and then we set, I send notes to, to Dave he writes sort of the lyrics and then the lyrics go to Richie and Richie and we'll tell Richie a genre to pastiche you know whether it's yeah. the Beatles or Jesse J or um, The Who or Kylie Minogue and he will compose these fantastic 
pastiche songs um, and sends them back to him. And the brilliant thing is that he always has to record the vocals himself. So whenever it's a woman's role, we always have to do really high voices, and it's hilarious seeing him do it. So the actors don't, do they actually sing them? So the actors then sing they them. They do sing so them. So once, once the song is recorded um, musically, so the backing track is recorded, yeah. and he, he records the guide track in his lovely soprano, um, <laughs> we then give them to the actors, we take them into the studio, and they record their, their tracks. And then, of course, when it comes to the studio, the actors sort of mime to their own version of the tracks. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty complicated process. Okay. Um, and are there any secrets you want to give away about the <laughs> forthcoming series? Secrets I want to give away? Any we, kind I, of snippets? I, snippets. I think um, I've probably revealed we're doing a Top Gear sketch, and that's, <laughs> that's, um, that's quite good fun, actually. Um, and uh, I'm enormously proud of our um, Rosa Parks song, which we've sort of done in the style of, kind of Aretha Franklin, Motown. There's more from the League of Gentlemen who came <laughs> in and did their movie pitches. There's, there'll be more of them. Uh, the Apprentice is coming back. Brilliant. In fact, you can see me in those sketches um, <laughs> playing an idiotic monk. Uh, so there's, it's sort of more of the same and a few new things. And okay. um, yeah, the standard is as good as before. So hopefully we won't let anybody down. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. From warts to wrinkles, pockmarks to prosthetic noses, the show's makeup and hair teams have their work cut out, often spending hours transforming cast members into characters from history. We dropped into the hair and makeup cabin to find out what goes into making someone look truly disgusting. Some of the costume, uh, the makeup is quite horrible. <laughs> how do you kind of go about, how do you get your ideas for to make someone look really kind of yeah, disgusting? Ag- yeah, again, <laughs> I mean, you can do it with your breakfast cereal, so you can get your muesli and thing, porridge, things like that, you know, because a lot of the time we are making things from nothing. Mm. You know, we don't we, we don't have lots of things. So all, I think that's part of the enjoyment and the creative yeah. process is that you can, you're literally just using... You're going really back to scratch with makeup, and you're you're trying to use anything you can to make it work. So, as I said, you know, someone might have some sores on their hand or something, and you can mix it in with a bit of silicone, or yeah, um, and then you can, and it always always looks a little bit gruesome. But we yeah. enjoy those ones. What's the kind of weirdest thing do you think you've used to help with the with the making up of somebody? What weird? <sighs> porridge is quite weird, I suppose. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, maybe covering people in poo head to toe, that's quite weird. <laughs> and how do, you, how, I mean, how do you do that? The only good thing about that is um, a lot of the time it gets, we use chocolate paste and things like that. So actually it 
it's not too unpleasant. No, it's quite nice for that person. Yeah. We have got children in um, on, well, tomorrow actually, and there's a sketch where Pooh's getting thrown around. And Well, I think we might have to make an announcement that um, not to eat the chocolate. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so hopefully they won't. Yeah, smell that. And but we, you know, we as I said, we kind of it could be a bit of Nutella or. <laughs> so uh, yeah, again, I've gone. I've gone back to breakfast, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Breakfast seems to be a definite theme in the for makeup usage. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then a lot of products are ready-made. Um, but weird, yes. Yeah, so that that's quite weird. It's always weird. Every day's weird. <laughs> you know, there's the the day's never the same, and yeah. it's in terms of creativity for us it's amazing because yeah. you know we go to every end of the spectrum I think and we get to cover absolutely everything um, so in that respects yeah how long can it take to make to make somebody up who's the kind of longest person um, the Bob Hale is the longest because it's a full face prosthetic um, an aging prosthetic so that can take three to four hours really by the time you apply um, the prosthetic and, and wig and eyebrows and things like that, and colour up. So that can, so it, you know, you have to have people who are really patient in the chair. Yeah. So, um, and it's obviously very long hours, so. But no, everyone's great and really respects the creative process, so, you know, tend to be really up for it. And, you know, when they see the end result, they're usually really happy, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, is that kind of the hardest one as well to do, that type of prosthetics type look? It is, yeah, it it is. Um, but you're, I think, because it's sculpted and it fits, whereas everything else we do in here, nothing fits. Mm. Nothing's made for the person, you know. So again, we're just pulling things out of a box and going, right, let's turn this into a Georgian, let's turn it into a Viking, let's, you know. Um, and it's just trying to recreate lots of different images and lots of different periods with. A lot of the same things yeah. so um so as I said, again yeah creatively it's amazing and is there anyone in history you would like to kind of be given to, to make up so what character would you like to get your hands on oh i don't know because I, I, I make up queen elizabeth mm. so that's always a fun one to do um because she's quite mean and she's um she's got a big prosthetic nose and bad skin and bad <laughs> teeth and that's quite a fun one. um so she's she's fun but so i kind of feel i've yeah i've i'm happy that i've managed <laughs> to do a bit of everything brilliant martha house douglas has played numerous characters in the show including elizabeth i queen victoria and mary queen of scots we caught up with her in the makeup chair during her transformation into a georgian woman how long have you been on the show for? Uh, I've been in it from day one, actually. Uh, so this is our fifth series, so five five years. It's a long yeah, time. It is a long time. Do you know roughly how many people you've played in that time? Oh my goodness! No. <laughs> <laughs> you've lost count. I've lost count. Yeah, oh, all the queens. I play all the yeah. queens. Um, and yeah, every every other woman that might have done something interesting in history, really. But okay. yeah, like, lots and lots of characters. I mean, specific characters, and then and then like today. Yeah, Georgian woman, non-specific, you know. So yeah, no, loads and loads of characters. And would you say you have a favourite? Um, my absolute favourite is Queen Elizabeth. I thought, yeah, I did think you yeah, might say that. I, I love playing her. 
she was actually the first character I ever played um, on on the first series. So um, we did um, Ben and I did a song called The Tudors, mm-hmm. um, and that was yeah, that was the first scene I ever did. So, but I just think she's a great character to play. So despite hours of makeup and stuff, you still yeah, you still don't all mind. That, I no, I love it. It is it's a long makeup. I think it's about two and a half hours that one, but um, yeah. it's it's worth it. It's brilliant. It looks amazing. There's, we have like a prosthetic nose and this sort of popped skin, <laughs> white white face, and then a massive wig. Yeah, it's 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 quite an ordeal, but it's it's definitely worth it. So, what is it that you like most about playing her? Because uh, she's really bossy. Um, <laughs> I just like I just love her. You know, I love playing her. But they they do write some great some great lines for her, mm. and, and the scenes that that we do with her, are, I think, are really really strong so yeah I just love playing her yeah Queen, Queen Victoria is, is a kind of a new one that I, I did last year mm. um, and I think she's just as fun really but, but Queen Elizabeth is my fan is it an old Queen Victoria or uh, yes yeah, so, well I've done both actually I've played a princess and also you know when she was queen but um, yeah I, I much prefer playing the older she gets grumpier. She gets she? grumpier. <laughs> um, that's quite an ordeal, makeup-wise, as well, because we have like the the neck, the sort of jowls, and mm. um, so that is a really long one. That's longer than than uh, Elizabeth, but again, really, really worth it. Yeah, the finished look. <laughs> is there anyone you haven't played yet that you'd like to play? I don't think so. No, <laughs> just people popping up that I didn't even know existed. So no, absolutely not. Like Cleopatra, I love playing. Mm. Um, but no, I think I think I've been I've been really fortunate that I've had you know all these great parts to play. So I can't grumble at all. And what do you do to kind of get into character? <laughs> do you do you live as Elizabeth the First? No, the <laughs> no, it just happens when you get on set. We don't really have time to be no. method about anything in this show. You start picking your fingers. Yeah, it does. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it's just um, it's literally when you get on set. I mean, we play so many parts all day, every day. Yeah. It's just you, you couldn't possibly uh, prepare like you know, like an actor should for for a specific part. But no, yeah. it's fine. So how many how many roles would you say you play in like a, a series? Are you sure. literally going from one person to the next person? Yeah. And... Well, I mean, on any given day, you might be playing sort of four characters. Um, so a lot of lines so a lot of lines yeah <laughs> there are a lot of lines to learn again that's sort of done in the makeup chair because you just don't have time to you just don't have time to do it all no. you know when you finish filming you, you can't you, you can't be bothered to go home and learn lines no. so a lot of the, the lines get done in this chair but luckily you know because we, we're all in the same same area being made up we, we get to do our line runs while, uh, while we're being made up which is handy Make the most of every we, second. Yeah, you have to really. Yeah, but um, yeah, we get we get there. I don't know quite how we do it sometimes, but we we, do, we definitely manage it. And are there any particularly memorable scenes that you've you've done? Any particularly disgusting scenes? That seems to be the questions that people are asking. Um, us. <laughs> yeah, well, I I never quite enjoy the ones where people are vomiting, and we've had a lot of that this series because it makes them <laughs> feel really sick. Series of sick. And the boys are very very good at making sick noises. Oh. Um, but there's one particular scene um, that we've done of like a a spoof of uh, the Antiques Roadshow, mm. and there's um. That's quite a disgusting scene, and it did make me feel a bit ill. But they're very good at, you know, pretending to throw up. So. <laughs> and did you like history at school? Are you? Is it something you have interest in at all? No, I don't know why now because I love it now. But mm. um, I don't know. It just wasn't. It just wasn't 
it just wasn't fun for me. Like, no. But you see, this is the great thing about this show, I think. If, if I had something like this when I was younger, I think, mm. I think I absolutely would have embraced it more because it was just so dull at school. Yeah. I guess that's how it was taught as well. But, you know, it, there, were, there was no fun in, in my history lessons at school. So, mm. um, yeah, it's a shame that this wasn't sooner. Miranda Jones, the show's production designer, is behind many of the show's sets, props and scenery. She explains some of the many challenges she and her team face on a daily basis. What, was, what would you say was the aim of, at, right at that very beginning moment, what was the aim of the show when you were doing that first pitch? What were you... It was to definitely to educate and entertain the kids, education and entertainment being an equal part, mm. um, with... with with re- with relating to the books, but it was so much of it was bringing information from anywhere, and we did start with the books, but also inspiration came from other historical comedies that had happened, and then bringing the educational part into it. And how would you say that's changed? Has that changed at all from that from that beginning? No, I don't think so. I think um, this series doesn't seem as horrible. you're going down in the gore state we may be going down we've mixed a less poo than we normally do (laughs) but um no i think those those aims are still when we've got better at it i think and what's what's the best thing about working on the on the show the design it's it's a it's a treat as a designer you might get to design something modern or you might get to design something 1930s or you Mm. might you know if you're doing real stuff rather than light entertainment yeah but on this I get to design Egyptian, Greek, you know, a cave. Yeah. And, and we have to come up with clever ways of doing that for, for a small budget. Yeah. And that has a challenge in itself. So how do you get around that small budget? What do you sort of... We do? have... Um, we use a lot of things more than once. And mm-hmm. if you can look, you can see things redressed and repainted and reused. But also my team, no one on the team does one job. So the art director also does graphics, also sets scenery if needs mm. be, prop makes, you know, we, everybody does everything yeah. so that we can swap around and you don't need such a big team. Yeah. That's, that's one of the main things. I think probably everyone would want to know how you get the gore and how you kind of... It's what funny. Do you use? Yeah. Everyone asks about the poo, don't they, and the, the sick. And <laughs> so it's funny, right at the beginning, we decided how unreal, to, because we were... Some of the stuff we had to make a little bit not too real, not mm. too medic, because it's got to be funny. So some thankfully, some of it doesn't look real, <laughs> yeah. um, some of the gore and things. Uh, it's, we use a lot of stuff that it has to be edible and it has to be safe. So a lot of the poo and the gunge and the sick and everything is made out of xanthan gum, which is a food thickener. And then okay. we add cocoa powder or we add food coloring and so and what would you say is the most challenging probably probably trying to do some of the very ancient grand civilizations mm. ancient greece and ancient egypt because to get the scale and to get anything towards that yeah. to get some real depth into things <laughs> Actors 
Actors Lawrence Rickard and Ben Wilbond have played many different roles during their time on Horrible Histories. While they recovered from filming a song and dance routine, we asked them what it's really like to appear on the show. So, is making Horrible Histories as fun as it looks, as it's looked today? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It is. On the, on the whole, I think that's been the thing that sort of stood out for this as a show compared to others. That from mm. pretty much day one, we, were, we, we all got on and... Um, we had we had a laugh on set and occasionally between shots when we're not supposed to be. Yeah, but it is hard work. It's mm. it's it's the most hard work. Uh, it's going to sound really I don't know. It it sounds really um, wrong of me to say it because people say oh you just you know you're dressing up and having fun, but it is a ridiculous schedule and it, <laughs> it just is so it's so it's so physically and mentally yeah. demanding but at the same time it's so much fun that you kind of it's, yeah it's, it's a schedule if it's lucky that we love it and each other otherwise I yeah. think you'd go mad well I'd have killed somebody by now oh yeah well, you, you did make Still a couple time. of brave attempts yeah. <laughs> I did yeah and you, have you both been in the series from, from the very start mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well I, I came into it initially as a writer okay. um, oh, which okay. is sort of my main my main job on it really and then um, I did was allowed to put some beards and wigs on for a couple of days a week on series one and if you, you turn up enough and are willing enough to put on a wig that you're a, yeah if you're dancing put on a wig you'll find yourself in it um, any memorable scenes i uh one of my favorite scenes that we shot in series one actually is alexander the great and i remember walking on set thinking how are we going to play this and that's the beauty of this show is you you because there's so little rehearsal they rely very heavily on us to make certain choices with the characters and i thought how i wonder what Alexander the Great was like. I, you know, obviously I read a little bit and I knew a little bit about him. I didn't know oh, how do you play someone who was so uh, he must have had such a huge ego about him. He must have been a bit of a bully, and I just thought eh, I'll just I'll just play him as a, as a really sort of passive bully, and it really worked. Uh, and it was one of my favourite sketches because it it, it turned into what was quite a. Uh, a formulaic sketch into something that um, uh, I just I just think is quite memorable now because it's and it, because, but that's what we bring to it yes. and characters to it so it's kind of yeah. it's nice uh, how, but yeah that's kind of one that sticks out for me. Yeah. that's when I realised actually that that this show was going to be great for that sort of thing because we're all character comics so mm. Uh, it's really good to be able to say. I think. I, I think. I wonder what Nero's like. I wonder what Henry VIII's mm. like. Or, or how do we want to play him? Yeah. So that's um, and that's when it becomes really good fun. A little bit of license. Yeah. It's nice as well. Yeah. Sometimes the fact because it's a true ensemble cast, there will be times where, you know, you're very much the lead character in a, in a, a sketch, and other times where you've got one line, and sometimes those are the most fun. Mm. We did a, a sketch the other day where I was a messenger and I just had to run on and hand someone an envelope. And I just decided that as I went in and handed it to them, I'd be really out of breath. And I just said, Stitch! And ran out again. <laughs> and they let you get away with little yeah. things like that. And they're, little yeah, yeah, and they're the really bit, enjoyable yeah. little moments. Yeah, yeah. So do you both have an interest in history sort of per- and personally? Uh, yeah, I do, very much so. Um, and uh, I studied history at, uh, up to A-level and... I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I think the reason I didn't study at, at university was I got sort of pulled in the direction of languages, which I kind of, you know, as one of the other. So it was, yeah, I am yeah, find myself reading all sorts of, and more so, reading all sorts of uh, history books. <laughs> you know, I kind of picked, I, I was sort of a lapsed history fan. I loved it when I was at school, and then I did it for A-level. 
and we were given some sort of eras mm. to study at the time, which I just had no interest in, and it completely waned. I don't think I turned up for my history A-level exam. <laughs> but I, I didn't. I, I definitely failed history. Wow. And, um, and then sort of doing this has kind of re- rejuvenated my interest in it. And now... You know, I find myself, particularly when writing things like the, the, the Bob Hale stuff, where you've got to know a sort of broad chapters of history, you find myself reading around, reading up on all that. And it's really enjoyable, you know. And yeah. particularly I've sort of rejuvenated my interest in sort of um, Victorian history and things like mm. that particularly. Yeah. I think for me it's uh, Tudors I find fascinating. I mean, yeah. that, is, that is purely born out of doing a lot of Tudor stuff in this show and and finally figuring out Henry VIII's, what, you know, his, the, the timeline and the wives and mm. his politics. And then it's sort of, as Larry says, it's just reinvigorated my interest mm. in it. And, and weirdly in World War I, because I, you know, I've done a lot of reading about that, but that's, that's my dad's passion as well. So I, kind of, mm. I am turning into my dad. Mm. <laughs> that is the great thing about it. You know, we, people's, you know, when people sort of come and talk to us about it and come up to us and say, we love the show, we've learned so much, you kind yeah. of go, well, yeah, so have we. Mm. Yeah, you know, when we sit around, at the, uh, particularly, you know, we sit around in, in, in the writers' meeting and, and Greg uh, sort of sits there and reads us a story about history <laughs> for a couple of hours. And the number of times that, that even though we know that the point of the show is it's all factual and everything he's saying is correct, mm. at least ten times in a meeting, all of the writers will go, no, <laughs> no, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that happens. That is the best thing about it. I think it's probably what people get from watching it as well. Yeah. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, is there any historical character you, you both love to play that you haven't had a We haven't played. Do you know, I think we've done most of the big ones. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to play Khrushchev, which is extraordinary, as I studied Russian and did Russian, uh, Russian history and Soviet history, so I'm really looking forward to doing that. Mm. And I thought we wouldn't actually get there, but we have in Series 5, so we're doing sort of... 50s yeah. into the 50s and the space race and yeah, yeah there's uh, a lot of sort of <laughs> wish, wish fulfillment stuff yeah yeah I don't think there's any pattern maybe yeah would second world war would be nice I quite fancied Lincoln Abraham again these Lincoln. big sort of big you mm. know big figures in history you just think oh you could have so much fun mm. but on the whole though the, I find some of the most fun characters to play are peasant for yeah stupid knight yeah nondescript yeah uh, because you can do what you want with them. You haven't got to stick with anything. You just go, right, I'm going to play this guy. He, he's, um, he always looks into the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do this and one. It's funny like to that. think of um, you know, peasants, but then give them a modern twist. So you think, uh, but this peasant is really, um, he's got slight OCD and he just likes everything to be lined up. Hmm. He hates mess. Yeah. And if you get, approach it like that, it's really nice. The kind of mundane is funny. Well, Jim, Jim will often come up to you and go, I'm going to play this one as someone who doesn't like their mum. <laughs> and you'll just see little something in there. You go, oh yeah, he did, he did. That was Charlotte Hodgman on location in London during the filming of the new series on Horrible Histories, which is currently showing on CBBC. You can see a slideshow of images taken during Charlotte's visit at historyextra.com forward slash HH. The BAFTA award-winning Horrible Histories BBC television series, based on the books by Terry Deary, has returned to our screens for its fifth series full of foul facts, ruthless rulers and grisly stories. If you'd like to find out more about how Horrible Histories is opening up the past to children, or you have children yourself who might be interested in Horrible Histories, then you might like to know that Immediate Media, who publish BBC History magazine, also publish Horrible Histories magazine for 7-10 to year olds. For more information on that, please visit hhmag.co.uk.
And that's almost all for this week. But before we go, I'd like to mention that tickets are still on sale for our History Weekend Festival. It's taking place in the historic Wiltshire town of Malmesbury from the 25th to 27th of October and will include talks from some of Britain's leading historians, including Max Hastings, Michael Wood, Dan Snow, Susanna Lipscomb, Dominic Sambrook and Kate Williams. For the full lineup and ticket information, please visit historyweekend.com. Next week, we'll be joined in the studio by Chris Skidmore, author of a new book about the Battle of Bosworth. Plus, we'll be discussing European history with Brendan Sims. Do join us for that. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our website, historyextra.com, and follow us on social media. You can find us at Twitter, we're at History Extra, and we're also on facebook.com forward slash History Extra. The History Extra weekly podcast is produced in Bristol by Jack Fletcher. 